post-Christian culture and all the different details that that entails. Uh, I'm back here with Sam again from last week. How's it going, man? It's going good, Andre. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, I think now that you're here for round two, maybe we can give you a chance to tell something about yourself, give us a quick background. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah, people don't really know me that well um, since I've only been on once, but uh, I'm currently a student studying chemistry and biology with the hope of going into the medical uh, profession, but I've always loved ideas and studying how they shape our culture and the difference between Christian ideas and non-Christian ideas and how they ultimately impact the way that civilization turns out. And um, I think that in our modern day, we have a very interesting combination and intersection between faith, science, and culture. And it's our duty as Christians to understand all of those elements and how they interact. Um, and today we'll be touching a little bit on that culture and how things have, have changed in regards to uh, sexuality. But Yeah, so you want to be a doctor, huh? That's that's the hope. That's a long, long journey. It but, is a long um, journey. I know because I'm in I'm in healthcare. Right. Yeah, but when you're called to something, which I think I am, um, that you do what you have to do, and even if that means being in school for a really long time. Mm -hmm. So if you like ideas so much, and you like theology and philosophy and understanding culture around you, how does that drive you into healthcare though? Like medicine? Why medicine? In medicine, you get to see people at their most broken states and be a part of that healing journey. Hmm. And um, I work in an ER currently, and one of the things you realize working in that environment is that people are so broken. And so many of their problems, um, while they are physical, many of them are emotional as well. And they can be traced back to um, their families, their upbringings, um, their value, their culture in the way that they were raised. And it's so important as believers to understand mm -hmm. the link between physical disease and mental disease and, even and the culture that we yeah. live in. And, and like our, spiritual state, right? Right. Yeah. That's ultimately what it all comes down to is what is your relationship as a human being to the God of the universe? Yeah, I think that's interesting because people are talking, you know, we live in a, in a time period right now that's really crazy on health. Maybe that'll be a separate episode for us. But like when you're talking about health, people are always inevitably talking about their emotions and actually their beliefs, their spiritual life. So it's all connected. It's not separable, right? So I think that's if you can speak as a Christian in the sphere of medicine, you're speaking into their souls from a very unique angle. You are, yes. I mean, we know that there's a link between, uh, just for example, stress and your physiology and mm -hmm. how your body actually works. Stress changes the way um, that your body works and makes you more susceptible to disease. Um, so the way that we live our lives, which ultimately comes from what we believe, um, impacts us in a very deep way that we don't fully understand in the moment. And so you're... Uh, currently studying, you're finishing your pre-med degree, so you're doing all the sciences. You're, yeah, you're just lots of chemistry and biology. Chemistry and biology. And, I mean, it's fun. I love it, but uh, it's definitely a lot of work. That's cool. Well, we are great to, uh, you know, very happy to have you. I, I'm really excited, you know, for our friendship even last couple of months. It's been just fun to find how uh, your common love for the gospel and your common knowledge of truth and a biblical worldview like it brings people together so this friendship has been really yeah. fun for me so I'm, it's it's fun to have you have you on and i'm sure people enjoy listening to you man um 
one thing before we dive in, I wanted to, uh, one little point of announcement for you guys for this week also is we've been doing this podcast now for about a year or a little bit over a year now. And, and everything that we do, we do because we care about people and we think it, it's important to have these conversations. Um, every person that's been on this podcast has been just dedicating their time and just giving it uh, aside from their full-time jobs and their commitments in their life. So one of the things that is our hope for this podcast, if you're a listener, if you're enjoying this, if you're benefiting from us, we want to grow what we do here. We want to make it better. We want to bring you more content. We want to serve you guys more effectively. And so if there's ways that you guys want to help support what we're doing, we've actually created a, a link uh, on the page uh, on, on the website called patreon.com. And that's a way that you can actually support this show in a couple of different ways. So you can go check it out. We'll have a link in our show notes. Um, there's different ways that you can sign up and support us. And what that's going to do is basically give more opportunity and bring more kind of open doors for us to do more with this podcast, not only to bring you more good content, but also to, to reach more people. Because I think in this day and age, um, online presence is so key to the mission of the church. Uh, I think we, we are, as Christians, we need to bring quality content, good stuff, uh, aesthetically pleasing and thoughtful and challenging and compelling truth because Christianity is amazing. Following Jesus is the most beautiful thing that can ever happen to somebody. And we need to do that, you know, on the, in the online world, in the social media world, just as much as we do it in the physical world. So that's another thing for you guys to check out. There will be a link. You can go on patreon.com and search the well said podcast and you can learn all about that. Before we dive into our topic, just a quick word of, um, heads up. Some of the stuff we're talking about today is kind of more mature content. So if you've got little kids listening, you may want to listen to this episode at a time when there's no little kids around. Uh, so that brings us to our main topic today. What are we talking about today, man? Yeah, we're going to be talking about um, sexual ideologies in our culture, why they are broken, and how they can be redeemed through the gospel. Right. And why this subject is so important, I think, is we've hit on this subject in a few different episodes already. And I think this is one of those subjects that you're never really done talking about because um, our understanding of human sexuality, our understanding of relationships and intimacy and sex and marriage, all of those things, this is one of the most personal and one of the most deeply kind of spiritual aspects of our of our life. It's tied to everything, you know, your sense of who you are as a man or a woman and your sense of how you are fulfilled sexually, these, how you answer these questions, it's going to hit on almost every aspect of your life, on your sense of joy, on your sense of fulfillment. And as you are not only looking at your own heart, but you're looking at the hearts of the people around you, you know, you're getting to know people. If you're a Christian and you're trying to connect with people around you who are not Christians, not followers of Christ, understanding the brokenness of the sexual ideologies and, and, and the perspectives that drive our culture today, it's one of the most important things we can be doing as Christians. So jumping out as like kind of the first thing that basic, we, basic thing we want to... Um, put out today, basic idea, core idea that we want to be kind of driving is that our culture's view of sexuality, whether that be personal sexual identity or sexual fulfillment, 
and sexual satisfaction, gratification, all this stuff, the way that our culture perceives these subjects today is deeply, deeply broken. And we were talking even before the show here uh, about kind of a history in a nutshell of how did we get here? How did we get to such a confusing and crazy time as a culture in our view of sex? Right. Yeah. I mean, one of the important things to realize is that ideas and, you know, cultural moods don't just pop up out of nowhere. They have histories. Right. And a lot of the things we see now started back in the 60s. Uh, with a lot of the things that were happening politically and even scientifically mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah, as as I think there was a time in our culture, even kind of post-World War II, where a very more clear sense of a secular view of the world, and secular meaning non-religious, uh, secular meaning uh, not including God as a source of right. authority. So a secular vision of life started to become more and more prominent and kind of around the 60s in this this age of like free love there was this like breakout season where the culture you know especially in america was just kind of breaking away from the traditional view you know labeling it as backwards foolish religious and just kind of saying you know what you can do whatever you want with sexuality yeah, the whole idea of being sexual freedom and uh, really the way that what... What is sexual freedom? How would you even define it? Yeah, that? I mean, sexual freedom really to our culture is doing whatever we want, whenever we want, with whomever we want. Right. That's what it's looked upon as. And the interesting thing is that we also have an all-time high of addictions in our culture. That could be anything. It's social media, drugs, alcohol, entertainment, and of course, what we're talking about today, and that's sex. But somebody who's an addict is also a slave. Mm-hmm. And if our definition of freedom is making us slaves, mm-hmm. it might not be the best definition. Right, right. When you talk about freedom, one of the things, you know, this idea of freedom is in is really present in kind of our the way we view sexuality, but also the way we view a lot of things. Freedom is seen as the absence of all restraints. And that's just not what freedom is. Right. Real freedom is the freedom to do something actual. And if you want to have freedom to do something, there is a a way, a pattern, a structure. Exactly. A truth that must go along, right? Yes. So our culture has been basically kind of by process, by step by step, breaking away from truth as a source of defining our sexuality, specifically Christian truth. Um, and so, you know, as you like trace through maybe from the sixties and you like just fast forward the timeline on our culture from sixties to seventies, eighties, nineties, two thousands, you see that you have these introductions of these new elements. You had, uh, the introduction of the, uh, the pill where people can just take a pill. And even if, you know, a woman got pregnant, um, she can have kind of a, basically a mini abortion and what that gave is this ultimate, like, this new frontier of freedom because all of a sudden sex doesn't have to be connected to... To consequences. Yeah, to, to a baby. To, right. Yeah, you don't want to look at that, obviously, as a consequence, but to a lot of people, it is. Right. When you're, when you're decoupling the natural process from the act, then right. yeah, that's yeah. really what the entire movement was about. Yeah, and then you have, obviously, following that, the abortion debate, which just escalated and escalated and escalated over the decades um, to what it is today, 
you know, we're talking about what just happened. Was it last week that New in York, New York, right? Yeah, they legalized basically abortion up until the due date, which is, uh, you know, utter absurdity and total blatant murder. But th the question is, how did we get here? Well, we got here by systematically, purposefully pulling Chiseling ourselves away at that foundation. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're cutting off the branch that you're sitting on, and so I think. When you, when you see our culture in this big picture light, you realize that spiritually, as a culture, we have detached ourselves from a source of truth. There is no God. You know, we, we, get, we are the, the center of our own truth universe. And what that does is it tosses you completely up in the air about everything, including some of the most personal subjects like how we are sexually fulfilled. Um, and so... When you look around today, you see so much brokenness and confusion on the subject of sex and relationship because um, because we are trying to grasp for some sort of structure, some sort of meaning, right? But you can't have it both ways. You can't you can't deny truth, but then live by some kind of truth, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Any time that you propose a value or say that something is right or something is wrong, it's inherently discriminatory against other things. Right. So naturally. The human, or or rather the Christian ethic, is going to be exclusive, and it's going to put down standards that we have to follow. Right. So I think what this needs to show us, you know, as Christians, we criticize culture a lot. We criticize, you know, the progressive perspectives on stuff. But I think um, from a spiritual perspective and a more personal perspective, you have to look around at your culture. You have to look around at your world and even probably maybe yourself because the world impacts you. And you have to realize that we're living in a desperate age. Like people are deeply personally uh, confused and lost, you know? Right. You know, it's kind of interesting because the whole term sexual identity right. is a fairly new thing. Mm -hmm. That whole idea of your identity being tied to your sexuality mm -hmm. um, is just the natural course of events in a society that is obsessed with sex. Right, 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 right. Because we are now, because now... All of a sudden, because you can define your own sexuality, you now have the burden to define it. Okay, well, if I get to define who I am, then I have to define who I am. Okay, but what am I? You know? Right. What, what, well, then how do I get true fulfillment? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. we think that's a freedom. It's actually a deep burden. It, it really I have is, to come yeah. up with truth that's going to satisfy my soul. Yeah, especially when we remove all boundaries to sexuality except for consent. Right. And that's the only thing that there is to determine what we can and can't do. Then it's very, very hard to find any meaning because there are no boundaries. Right, right. Meaning is inherent, inherently comes from boundaries. Right, right. So when you look at the world, what are the key defining ideas of what is good sexuality? What is good uh, fulfillment in a sexual way? One of the simple ones, right, that would probably jump to your mind is that real pleasure is pleasure without rules. Like rules, rules destroy pleasure. There's this notion, right, that that if, if someone is limiting what kind of uh, enjoyment I'm allowed to have, rules are destroying pleasure. Right, yeah, that's that's at least the myth. And I think as Christians, we have to look at it from the perspective of, well, why did God give us rules? Because right. God created pleasure. We were talking about this earlier. He knows what pleasure is. So our, if our definition of pleasure somehow goes against the rules that he's put forth, there's probably something wrong with it, or we have the wrong perception of what pleasure is. Right. 
but even as Christians, I think, you know, even as I was outlining some of these key ideas, even though I disagree with them in my understanding and I know in my mind and the truth, but when I read some of these ideas, I'm like, but that does sound really like... It sounds restrictive, it sounds right? No, but yeah, it sounds yeah. true, right? So real pleasure is freedom, right? It, real pleasure is not in, in restriction, but that's, that, that, that's where your sinful nature is trying to, you know, be that it's kind of like latching on to this idea that's reigning in our culture. Just because you're a Christian does not mean you're immune to any of this. Exactly. Actually, the opposite. You're, you're yeah. just as immune to all of it as everybody else. Yeah. And as young people, as young Christians, we often look at, um, these things, these rules that are put forth as something that we tolerate. Right. Like, oh yeah, you wait till marriage or right. right, right. What, but It'd be nice if we didn't have to, but that's what we do because that's what the Bible says. Right. Because we're good people, and but my but my non-Christian friends are having all the fun in college. Right. Yeah. Or at least we think they're having all the fun. Right. That that's this. Maybe you maybe you don't even never even admitted it to yourself. But maybe the challenge one of the challenges in this episode is ask yourself if you just stop and stop trying to impress or answer questions correctly. Ask yourself what is your true belief about pleasure. What is real, true pleasure? You know, ask yourself and be honest. And which which way does your heart lean? Um, because oftentimes we don't even realize yeah. it. And how is pleasure different from happiness? Right. Another crucial question. So connected to this idea, I think that another common idea today is satisfaction comes when you follow your deepest desires. So this is when you're satisfied. Don't let anybody tell you what your life is supposed to be about. Don't let somebody else determine where you're going with life. Satisfaction comes when you follow your deepest desires. Follow what's inside right. and you will be happy. And don't let other people oppress you. Um, and again, there's some truth to following what is inside of us in the sense that God planted inside of us a longing for truth in a direction. And... Um, Truth must feel true inside, right? But thinking that all of our satisfaction comes from our deepest desires, that's completely false because if you just look on, a, on any given day and look at your desires, you realize that your desires are constantly conflicting. And they're constantly changing. Yeah. What I desire one day is not going to be what I desire another day. Yeah. Um, connected to this, I think true sexual fulfillment is often found in the thrill of pursuing new and unexplored territories. So commitment to one person destroys uh, satisfaction and pleasure. Yeah, or that's what the world tells us. Right. That's what the, that that's this idea that that there's this thrill in the the joy of of something new, something exciting, something amazing. Um, that idea is always present, you know, movies, music, you're going to, we're, we're bathing in these ideas. They're telling us that it's not going to be good if it's the same thing over and over. It's got to be new. It's got to be sort of unexplored and um, maybe even forbidden, right? Um, connected to this, commitment is frightening. Um, I don't know if you can, like, as, like, I'm a married guy and I look at the young generation so me and you are looking at this from two different angles. Right. So maybe you're... Uh, you as a married I, guy with kids. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so like, I, I, it seems to me that this idea of commitment is more and more frightening to young people today. Do you feel like that's real? Like oh, that's, it, it certainly is. And, and not only that, but we've... Ever since the 
I guess, acceptance of no-fault divorce several decades ago, mm-hmm. more and more young people have seen their own parents' households fall apart, especially yep. in the Western world, which is terribly sad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that because of that, they're more skeptical of the idea of long-term relationships. Yeah, yeah. And As a general concept, they think that it may be fundamentally broken. Right. Is it even possible? Yeah. And yet, the funny thing is it's like, you know, we in, in the music, in the pop culture, there's all this cynicism about love, lasting love, right? All this broken heart, you know, stuff, yeah. right? But at the end of the day, what everyone is longing for is a lasting relationship. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's really interesting if you look at it's it. Like, it's like two sides, right? On the one hand, it's like, oh, no, commitment is scary because it's like one person for life. What? Are you sure? But at the end of the day, we're like, but I want somebody to understand me. You know, Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah, and the only person who's really going to understand you is somebody who spends their life with you. Right, right. I think connected to that also, why is it scary? Because uh, compatibility, it's determined by perf- per, uh, personal character. And com- like, you have to find a person who is 100% compatible with you. You know, like, that's why commitment is scary because it's like, well, well what, what if they're not the right person, Right. Right. What, what if they're what if they don't match which me? is terrifying because you're looking at this as a young person and you're thinking am i going to marry this girl or am i going to marry this guy yeah what if six months into our relationship i realize that they're a completely different person than they pretended to be yeah and i mean granted it's a terrifying thought and it's not something to be uh taken lightly when you choose who you're going to marry right but that doesn't mean that the institution of marriage is broken. Right, right. And I think the other thing is in that specific freaky concern of like compatibility, the Christian has this amazing doctrine of sanctification where you realize that marriage is not just two people getting together. It is God by the Holy Spirit molding two people together. And he's working on both of you. So you're both going to become something new. You know what I'm saying? So the compatibility question, it's true, but there's a limit to it because God is actually molding you into each other, mm-hmm. which is a pretty amazing thing. And it gives hope. Every marriage, there, no marriage is beyond hope because of grace and the Holy Spirit. Yes. And it should also give hope to the kids of that marriage yep. and also to society. One of the interesting things as I've studied this more is realizing that through history, marriage is always understood to be about the common public good because it passes on important definitions to the next generation. So if your definition of commitment is weak when it comes to your spouse and with your kids, it's going to be even weaker for everyone else, like yeah. someone you're doing business with or maybe your employer or or your customers. So it's not just a private institution. It's, it's very public because it empowers and sustains civilization. Right, right. It's the very ep- epicenter of commitment. Yes. So, and I think... Because commitment is frightening, um, a lot of young people are even wondering, if, is love real? You know, like, is love actually a thing? Uh, I was listening to a podcast episode from, shoot, I forgot the podcast name. There's this Christian podcast on dating. Um, it's an interesting podcast. And There's probably guys, a lot of those. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a per, it was an interesting one because this girl was talking to this guy who made a documentary about... Um, like the abuse culture in the college world, hmm. uh, specifically, you know, like, like the rape, rape culture. Rape culture yeah. Right. And 
um, he went to all these different college like parties and festivals. And one of the things that he got from college students that he was interviewing was a bunch of them were like, you know, I don't even know if love is a real thing. Hmm. Like a lot of college students are saying, is love even real? I don't, I don't know if I believe in that anymore. Yeah. I, I'm just an individual and I have sexual desires. I, I fulfill those desires, but I'm, I'm an individual fundamentally. I'm a unit. I, I love hmm. And, and connection, I don't even know if that's real. That's yeah. scary. It, it is. And part of it also is that we don't really have an easy definition for the word love in our yeah, culture. Right, right. We don't know what that is. And you know, I think as Christians, we have to look at it more as this biblical nature of a covenant relationship between two people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but society just sees love often as synonymous with sex right. or attraction. Right. Love is attraction. Emotional attraction. Yeah. yeah. Emotional, physical, whatever it may be. But they don't know if there's such thing as lasting love. Right. If you're a Christian who is trying to survive in this world and following Christ faithfully and growing spiritually and, and digging down into the pleasure and joy of God, um, you have to be constantly pushing back on the culture around you by thinking actively about what is going on. Why do they believe this way? Why does the world around me behave the way it does? And how do I cultivate a biblical view of sexuality and relationship and intimacy? Like, if you are a single person and you're not actively thinking about these subjects as you're looking at the world around you, watching shows, watching movies, listening to music, what everything that you do, and you're not actually if, like constantly scanning and asking questions about the practices of the world around you, you have to know it's seeping into your skin. It's seeping in to who you are into your soul and it's rewiring the connections it's rewiring the the views that you yourself are holding you know what i'm saying so i think that we have to be pushing back now when we say pushing back i think a lot of people think of like you know protesting going to an abortion right. rally and stuff like that you know there's there's a lot of different ways to, that you do though Besides just going, you know, and being an act, like a political activist. Yeah. I mean, some people are called to that, but we're also called to be there and to engage with our neighbors and with our right. culture on uh, a much more foundational level. Right. And I think th the deepest foundation where it starts, first of all, is your own personal life and your home and the kind of habits that you cultivate in your home. So if you're a married person, it's your personal heart and your home. If you're a single person, it's more like your heart because you might not have a home yet. Uh, I mean, you have a home, but you don't have <laughs> you don't have your own you're home in the streets. sense that you have kids and you are building your own household. You know exactly. what I'm saying? But it's I, I think as Christians, we're like you know we're quick to jump out and say, oh my gosh, you know, New York and abortion and all that stuff, so terrible. Look at the transgender stuff. Oh my goodness, so bad. But I, here's the challenge here: what's going on in your own life? And specifically, here's ways that you can pin this down. What kind of music do you listen to, and what kind of ideas reign free in that music? Uh, what kind of things are you watching on the screen, and what kind of sexual ideologies are present in that stuff? Right. So obviously I'm not saying that you can't watch anything that has any sort of false views of sexuality because, you know, then you, you it's impossible yeah. to you know see anything because human beings and their sexuality and their relationship are always in everything. But I, I think a lot of Christians are being really wishy washy when it comes to um, viewing stuff that has sex in it. Mm -hmm. um, we're watching 
the stuff that we're protesting. We're watching it on the screen. Right. You know? And it's like there was this debate last year, I think, about Game of Thrones. I don't know if you were watching that, uh, like, in the blogosphere, in the Christian, like... Oh, you know, about Twitter. whether Christians should watch yeah. it or whether they can. And, whether, and, yeah. yeah, yeah. And this might come... Hey, I, I, maybe this is going to offend you. I don't know. But I think it's crazy to try to argue that Christians can watch explicitly sexual content right. and be like, oh, it's okay. It's part of life. Yeah. It, okay. Here's here's one way to test it. Are you is this something that you would be comfortable watching your friend your married friends do in front of you? That's a pretty good litmus test. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean and, and really what's the difference? You're watching a couple do whatever it is on screen that they do. It's the same thing as watching yeah. them in person. Like you're still watching the act. It's before you. Exactly. Right? So I think a lot of Christians, you know, especially with Netflix and Amazon Prime and like all these shows, we are bombarded with so much good entertainment. Like good in the sense that it's shiny, it's quality, it's it's getting better and better and better, right? Um, but what's starting to slip is we are starting to normalize broken sexuality in our viewing habits. Uh, and if it's going into your viewing habits, it's entering your heart. You can bet it's going to start entering your life. Mm, right. So yeah, I think, where the combination of all the things that we constantly do and constantly see on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, yeah. You cannot, you cannot expect to enjoy biblical sexuality in your own life if you are enjoying twisted, broken, perverse sexuality on the screen. Right. If ninety percent of the sexuality you experience is not biblical, and you're, you're enjoying not, it. Yeah. The ten percent that is is not going to be so great. Yeah. And as a married person, I just like, you know, everything you view. Everything you're watching on TV, everything you're consuming in music, in pop culture, it's going with you everywhere. It's going to enter your marriage. It's going to enter your relationship with your spouse. It's going to enter your bedroom and your the way you relate to your spouse. Y- you are one person, and what you put into your soul, you're going to share with that person with whom you're sharing your soul. You know. So I think uh, um, to many people, this argument is becoming kind of old school, but um, you know, you are, I think John Piper made a very interesting point when he said, you know, when you're watching the battle scenes, you know, in The Patriot or whatever, or just a war movie, you know, all the blood, all the bullets, it's all fake. It's it's dramatized, you know. The kissing, the sex, the nudity, that's not fake. It's real. Right. People are actually doing it, and they're actually committing sin on the screen. They're committing sin in the studio mm. while they're filming it. You know, you're watching real sin happen yeah you know and you're putting that into your heart and you can't erase those images um and that's going to start messing up your family so if parents are surprised by the things that their kids are doing but then if you trace back to what are, what are the parents watching uh you can bet there's going to be a connection hmm. and you can't hide it just because you're watching it after your kids go go to sleep they'll pick up you know they'll pick up on it so what do you expose yourself to you know what um what is your relationship to the world around you? When you look at the twisted sense of relationship, intimacy, sexuality that you view, that you are confronted every single day, uh, whether you're in the grocery sh- store line and there's magazines, whether you're in the theater, whether you're listening to music, um, what is your relationship to it? 
Uh, are yeah, you, like, do you see it and enjoy it and want more of it, or do you see it and see through it? Yes, and, and are you broken even by it? Like, are you mm. brokenhearted for the culture around you? You know, you look at this stuff and you're like, either that sounds good or appealing to me, or I look at it and say, this is so broken. These people are so broken. This is so false. This is not God's beautiful mm. plan, right? So as we're wrapping up, what are the antidotes? What, what, how, do we, uh, how do we respond with biblical truth to some of these tendencies and these ideas? Yeah, well, I think the first step to that is understanding what the proper view of marriage is, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, because sex, we know, is supposed to happen within the covenant relationship of marriage. And uh, marriage, I mean, God gave it to us as a social institution to preserve the next generation, to invest in the next generation, to invest in the culture. Yeah, and the basis of marriage being also rooted in God himself. God created the marriage covenant, the relationship, as a mirror image of the love and intimacy that God within himself, within the Trinity, experiences. So um, do we see that marriage is not just a practice, it's not just a conservative practice or tradition, that that there's this glory... To biblical marriage, just this amazing thing, um, you know. Book of Hebrews says the marriage bed is to keep to be kept holy. Like this idea, there's this amazing, unique um, wonder about the way God designed this thing called marriage. Yes, it, it's it's something extra special. It's something. It's it's a unique peek into what God Himself experiences within the Trinity. Like, do, do we realize that God is giving us a, a glimmer of glory, you hmm. know, to all humanity? Of heavenly glory through yeah, our relationship, he- yes. Yeah, in a marriage. Yeah. Like, the wonder of that, the, the amazing, the weight of that, the, the, the beauty of that, you know? Um, and I think just that kind of starts to zoom out and just realize that God is the God of pleasure, he invented he invented your sexuality and he invented it as a source of satisfaction he knows how to bring you the greatest kind of pleasure and when we're living within that proper context we're more productive too as people god gives us creative energy mm-hmm. and when our relationship with him and our relationship with other people is right we're more able to use that energy. Mm-hmm. One of the interesting things is um, Joseph Unwin. He was a British anthropologist who studied sexual ethics in about a hundred different civilizations in different parts of the world and over history. He found that those which valued freedom in sexuality more than um, a proper marriage relationship displayed low levels of creative energy in their hmm. culture. Hmm they were less likely to actually develop a lasting society or to even ask important metaphysical questions like the meaning of life. Why are we here? Right. And their energy was consumed by fulfilling their immediate appetites. They didn't think about or invest in the future. And if you look at, um, I mean, you're you're a married guy. You know that you're saving money for the future. Hmm. You have, you know, someday you hope to pay for your daughter's wedding or maybe their education. Marriage makes us think about the future in a way that is productive for society and for our children. Yeah, it, and that was well, how it God gives you a future. It. it gives you a to future to, to build. Yes. Right? If, if it's just me and my own personal little life, there's really no future to build besides, besides me and my pleasure. Now. Yeah. yeah, more You get pleasure. money, you spend it. Yeah. Actually, well, even more interestingly, 
uh, like 50, I think the mortality rate uh, among unmarried women was 50% higher than married women and like 200% among unmarried men. Yeah. Wow. So we also tend to do stupid things when we're not married is kind of what that tells us. Yeah, yeah. So like I think – and I want to like – if you're a single person listening to this again. Right. I'm a single um, person yeah, for context. Yeah, right. And and the goal – like what I want to do as a married person and as a person who loves biblical theology and truth, stir your affections and realize that like marriage is an amazing thing for you to long after and to desire it uh, biblically to desire it God's way, because this it's, it's one of those kind of unlocking features uh, of, of joy and, and wonder and, and drive. Um, obviously marriage is not the answer to all of our problems because some people are called to not be married, but to really see that there's something so amazing in this institution that our own society today is really quickly destroying. So lots to think about this week, guys. Um, I think when you look around at the brokenness of the world around you, you have to identify our sense and understanding of sexuality as, as one of the heart issues. And it's an issue that goes to the very bottom, to the core, to the foundation. And you have to ask yourself, what is my orientation? What is my direction? What is my view of all this? And what, am, what does my personal life look like? Do I really, do I really understand and, and, and value the beauty of God's design? And am I excited to get to know more of that design? And am I brokenhearted when I see God's purpose for us uh, distorted and broken? Mm. Or am I watching it and tolerating it uh, or maybe even kind of desiring it? Thank you guys so much for listening for this week. I think that gives people a lot to think about. Yeah, for um, sure. Once again... Maybe we even stepped on some toes. <laughs> yeah, and I hope we did. Maybe that's a good thing. If you if we stepped on your toe, tell us and uh, let us know what you think. Because we even if you disagree, we want to hear about it. We want to talk. We want to make this a conversation. So you can always get a hold of us through well-said.org. Uh, or you can find us on Facebook at well-said-words. It's all one word. Or on Instagram, it's another place that I'm always posting pictures and, and words. Um, and the, the the name of that account is at the under slash well under slash said. And if you think you want to support us, if you want to look into how you can support us, check out patreon.com and just uh, search up the Well Said podcast there. I'll also throw up the link to that. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, please send us some feedback. Leave, leave a review on iTunes if this has been beneficial. And also find one person that you think might be benefited from this episode and send it to them. Share, uh, share the episode and spread the word. That's how we keep these conversations going. Absolutely.